You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Washington is a desperate team as they host the Chicago Bears in week three on Monday night. Welcome into this crossover Wednesday edition of Locked On Bears. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I cover the Chicago Bears for Bears Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis, and today I'll be joined by Chris Russell, host of Locked on Redskins, to bring you the local expert on the Bears' Week 3 opponent. We'll talk about how Washington has gotten to their 0-2 start and where their strengths and weaknesses fall heading into Monday night. And spoiler alert, Chris isn't too confident about Case Keenum facing this Bears defense. As always, we've got a lot to get into, so let's bring on Chris. I know it's been a real tough start to the season for Washington. Obviously, not having uh, Alex Smith to start the season and an 0-2 start hasn't been particularly incredible for the Chicago Bears either. I think both teams coming into this game uh, performing below expectations. Yeah, no doubt. And good to be with you, Lauren. Um, you know, clearly the Redskins were hoping for a one and one start inside the division. Uh, clearly they lost to two very uh, or much more talented teams. Let's start with that. Uh, and they had a ton of injuries on defense, which was supposed to be their calling card. And yet here we are, 0-2. Uh, and now you have a ferocious defense coming in Chicago to FedEx Field on a Monday night where the Redskins haven't won since 2014, meaning a Monday night football game. And historically, they've been awful, uh, not only on, again, Monday nights, but also Monday nights at FedEx Field. Uh, So the stage is pretty much set for the Bears to um, have a little fun on Monday night football, but that's why we play the games. Yeah, and I I look at this Washington team, and there's a little... Little areas to to be excited about. I mean, there's there's clearly some some talent deficiencies, a lot of which is injury based here. But you know, there's there's young players across the roster that I think can give your fan base some hope and feel like there's still some you know opportunity for that team to continue to get better. I mean, is there for based on what you've seen through the first two games, like you said, a couple of pretty quality NFC East opponents that you know maybe you might expect to have struggled in those games. I mean, is there reason to feel like week three could be an opportunity for Washington to turn around and and what might that look like? So I I think, well, you know, we should probably start here again. I mentioned their defense has gotten lit up like a Christmas tree, 32 points to the Eagles, 31 points uh, to the Cowboys. And, you know, they played well in stretches for a quarter and a half, the first quarter and a half defensively against the Philadelphia Eagles and the first quarter and change against the Dallas Cowboys. And then it just all falls apart. They can't get off the field on third down. Uh, They can't get stops when they need them. Uh, They haven't been able to get enough pass rush, bunch of injuries. So the the hope for optimism would be, hey, we're not playing the juggernaut Cowboys and all of their weapons. And we're not playing Deshaun Jackson, who they couldn't cover, um, you know, in any way, shape or form against the Philadelphia Eagles. We're now taking on Mitch Trubisky, which I'm sure we're going to get into Allen Robinson and, you know, Burton and Taylor Gabriel and more, I don't want to be rude here, but more pedestrian like 
offensive talent as compared to what they have faced the first two weeks. So that's the reason for optimism, because I don't honestly, Lauren, I, I don't see a whole lot of optimism for how the offense of the Redskins is going to be able to move the football against the Bears defense. Um so, so I guess that the reason for optimism would be, hey, our defense can't be any worse than it's been. Maybe it'll get better against a somewhat, somewhat pedestrian offense. Yeah, and the Bears' offense has been the main issue this season, right? And I think from the other side, I think Bears fans look at this game as the game the Bears' offense can get back on track closer to what we had seen last year. Like week one against the the Green Bay Packers, the Bears could only put up three points and it couldn't really finish drives or ever really get into too much of a rhythm. They kind of abandoned the running game despite never trailing by more than seven points, and it just kind of felt like a bit of an all-around offensive disaster given people were expecting a much bigger step from Mitchell Trubisky in year two. And we can get into some of the nuances of that in a little bit. But, you know, it's sort of these these small step forward from week one to week two and feeling like the offense had some more balance and a little bit more rhythm to it. And then, you know, Washington seemingly being the opportunity for the Bears offense to get back on track while their defense continues to face a Washington offense that doesn't scare them a ton. You know, it does feel like there's there's some similarities in how these two teams feel in that regard of like, okay, the, the opposing offense that we're facing this week isn't going to give us too much trouble. So it's just a question of can you know our own offense from the team's perspective get enough going against this opposing defense. And I, I, I you know, Bears fans are obviously going to feel pretty confident in their defense being the better one in this game. But, you know, Washington's got pieces, right? I mean, they got like I was saying, young guys on both sides of the ball. I've been so impressed with Terry McLaurin at wide receiver, and we, you know we'll get into a lot of those different facets. But I, I think, I, I just don't. Th- I think this should be considered a, a potential trap game. The Bears, after maybe struggling a little bit more than we expected in the first couple of games, I don't think the Bears can feel too. You know, shouldn't get overly confident all of a sudden, even though Washington is an zero and two team. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you say all that because I, I totally agree. And actually, I was relieved from a Redskins perspective that the Bears won last week in Denver because, you know, you know how it is. If you're 0-2 and facing an 0-3 start to your season, especially if you're a team like the Bears who made the playoffs last year uh, and did what they did last year and then lost in such heartbreaking fashion or breaking fashion, you wouldn't want a ravenous, hungry, starving Bears team again coming to – FedEx field, which I expect to be filled with Bears fans um, because Redskins fans are tapped out for the most part, especially, um, you know, especially for primetime games, quite honestly, on a Monday night uh, like this one is, Um, you know, so so to me, I actually think it's a break for the Redskins that the Bears aren't absolutely starving for a win here. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see how this game unfolds, because, again, I don't see a way that the the Redskins offense, you mentioned McLaurin, he's been their stud so far. They've missed him a couple of times uh, on deep shots. It'll be really interesting to see if they can get him open for a deep shot on a seven step drop against that pass rush of the Bears and hold up in protection, which they've done a pretty decent job of. Um, it'll be really interesting what kind of deep shots the Redskins can execute or call in this game because of that pass rush pressure and because of the front seven of the Bears. Yeah, I think this Washington offensive line could use a little something extra to increase their performance and get some extra confidence facing some pass rushers like what the Bears have. It sounds like they could use Blue Chew. 
Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no going to the doctors or the pharmacy or dealing with any of that awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, it's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We're talking Chicago versus Washington week three with Chris Russell. And Chris, let's get into the, the Washington offense against the Bears defense here. You know, we talked a little bit about McLaren, but, you know, a guy who has had a lot of success in Chicago and against the Bears throughout his career, Adrian Peterson has been a Bears killer for a long time, but this is not the same Adrian Peterson that was tearing up the Bears in Minnesota. But it's also it's also not the Bears the same Bears defense that Adrian Peterson was facing back in those days. You know, he is 34. He kind of started the season on the bench behind Darius Geis and, and not getting a lot of action behind Chris Thompson as well. But Geis goes down, and it seems. Am I correct that Peterson is now sort of the the top rushing offense? And what have what have we what have we seen from him in terms of what he can still offer this Redskins offense? So it, it's interesting. Last year he came here with you know very little expectation because he came here midway through training camp after their two top backs got injured, and then he kind of took uh, the offense by storm, and he was largely the offense racking up you know, a total of 1,250 total yards, eight touchdowns. There were games, Lauren, where, where he was kind of invisible. And and I blame that more on the offensive line than some others. And then there were games and there were moments where Adrian Peterson was the Adrian Peterson that you're kind of talking about uh, from torturing the Bears and torturing the entire NFL when he was absolutely in his prime with the Minnesota Vikings. So you never quite know exactly what you're going to get. Here's what we know. Jay Gruden, the Redskins head coach, and therefore their play caller is not really in on Adrian Peterson. And I see, I see Jay Gruden trying to move the ball through the air and trying to attack the Bears secondary, uh, despite the pass rush more than I see him trying to be patient and set up the run. He does not want Adrian Peterson to run wide or east west. He wants Adrian Peterson to hit the hole. He calls it north and south. I don't know why we call it north and south because we certainly won't don't want running backs running south or, you know, away from the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, he, he, that's what he wants. And if he doesn't see that early and if he doesn't see some holes and some creases and the Redskins being able to hold up at the point of attack, he'll quickly abandon uh, Adrian Peterson. It would seem to me that – between Peterson and Chris Thompson in this Washington backfield, you know, Thompson, obviously the the receiving option, they've been giving him a lot of snaps and throwing him the ball quite a bit. From a, from a play calling standpoint, do they end up kind of getting predictable in the sense that like when Peterson's in the game, they're running the ball the majority of the time. And when Thompson's in the game, they're throwing the ball the majority of the time. 
And, and that's what Jay Gruden is trying to avoid. Now, they do have a different offensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator in Kevin O'Connell, a former NFL quarterback who's very, very, very highly regarded, not only in the Redskins organization, but also around the NFL. And, you know, I think he'll be a head coach soon, much sooner than later. Um, you know, and they've run a lot out of or they've run a lot more 11 personnel sets, uh, even more than they did last year. Uh, week one, they were 95 percent out of 11 personnel of their snaps. Uh, I don't know the week two numbers. I haven't looked those uh, quite up yet, but they were in it a bunch. I can tell you that much. So they're trying to become less predictable when Adrian Peterson is on, because like you said, when, when Chris Thompson's back there, you know, that not that they're definitely going to pass, but you know, he's going to be in there on third down, you know, they're going to pass for the most part, unless it's a third and one third and two, sometimes they'll give him like a little inside trap or an inside zone give or something like that. But Again, largely, you know, um, you know, with Peterson that there's a likelihood, a likelihood, especially on first down, that they're going to go run with him. Um, you know, again, I think they're trying to be less predictable. It's a good thing that they're trying to be less predictable because, quite honestly, their tendencies have been way too easy for defensive opponents to figure out in years past. So. Uh, but I also think that's part of the reason why Jay Gruden bristled at having Adrian Peterson even active in week one. And as it turned out on the roster, uh, as it turned out, it's actually a good thing because Geis got hurt is he feels Geis gave him that positional versatility where it wasn't basically an obvious tip. Oh, hey, Geis is in the backfield. It's going to be run you know, like he felt like he had that dual versatility where he feels like he has it less with Adrian Peterson. And I know we've been focusing a lot on the running game here, but I, I was curious about Case Keenum. You know, it seemed like Chris Thompson was a go-to dump off for him, obviously out of the backfield, but you kind of see his box score numbers and you see almost 70% completion and five touchdowns, no interceptions and a pretty darn good passer rating. But at the same time, it's not resulting in a lot of, I mean, overall, there's some, some offensive output, but it's not, I don't know that it's been like game changing throws. I mean, from a, is he pretty much from a game management standpoint, taking what the defense gives him? Cause you know, I look at the bears, that's sort of been their, their MO. There's, you know, they'll let you move the ball between the twenties or at least sort of between, you know, up to the 40 and, and the borderline field goal range. And then the bears defense is where they really kind of clamp down in, in scoring situations and, and keep teams from putting too many points on the board, but they will give you some of those yards. If you just sort of kind of take it easy, take the little check downs and kind of let your running backs make plays. And, and, you know, I know they've been hitting McLaurin on some deeper stuff, but it's kind of, from what I can tell, it's been a lot of Chris Thompson and then a little bit of uh, Vernon Davis over or, or Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis over the middle and trying to do things that way is, do, do I have much of a, a good sense of that or what, what has made Case Keenum as effective as he's been? You know, let, let's start with this. You're absolutely right about the, the deep shots to McLaurin. They, they've hit on one. Uh, they've missed on two. And b quite honestly, all three should have been touchdowns if they were, you know, if, if the last two uh, that weren't touchdowns that were incompletions were thrown better, uh, they should have been seven in each case. Um, so that's been the really exciting part of this offense. Uh, you mentioned the tight end situation, Vernon Davis, you know, Jordan Reed was expected to play week one, was expected to play week two, hasn't played in either. You just never know with a concussion, but maybe with an extra day uh, here, he might be able to make his return. Who knows? I can't spend a whole lot of time on that, Lauren, just because 
I don't know, you know, if he's going to have another setback like he did uh, last week. But here's the one thing that that I would say they've done, in my opinion, a better job of this year is they've thrown a little bit more of the natural running back screen as opposed to just constantly looking deep, coming middle and then checking it down when all else fails. And when I say that, I mean, you you know this because Nagy comes from Andy Reid's system and you're going to throw the natural running back screens. And it's something I've been begging uh, the Washington Redskins to do a little bit more of. And they have started to do a little bit more of that. Then they sprinkled in um, something that, again, is very uh, really kind of started emanating from the Andy Reid, Kansas City and Philadelphia system, the jet sweeps uh, and the jet action and the eye candy, as I call it. Um, where they've been able to sprinkle in a young kid named Steven Sims Jr. who's got a ton of speed and is more of a gadget-type weapon at this point. They've been able to sprinkle him in a little bit. They got away from it the other day against the Dallas Cowboys. So there are some new elements to this offense that they've you know, kind of put in. Um, but I would still say, in general, they are an offense that wants to go high to low first and I think Case Keenum is capable of making a lot of big throws, and I've seen him make every throw between training camp preseason and the and the NFL regular season so far. It's just a matter of he's a little inconsistent. And I think that inconsistency makes this game a pretty easy bet on mybookie.ag. The Bears are four-point favorites on the road. The money line has them minus 200, and the over-under is set at 41.5. And it feels like this is going to be a Bears victory by at least four points. So you, you grab them on the spread, you grab them on the money line, and I'd be surprised to see if these two teams could go over 41.5 points. So I think the under is going to hit there. The important thing is that you take those bets at my bookie. Because where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. No one gives you more ways to win. And MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. There's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. And that's why you go to MyBookie. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Chris, how do you think these Bears' skill positions match up with Washington's defense? I think the Redskins in this game, are uh, they're going to struggle to cover Allen Robinson. I, I mean, I know he might not be as explosive as he used to be in Jacksonville pre-ACL, uh, and you tell me, maybe I'm missing. Um, maybe he is. I, I don't know. Uh, the bottom line is, is Josh Norman has been absolutely brutal. He cannot run with any elite receiver, any really good receiver at all. They've had miscommunication breakdown. So I can see Trubisky if he's on and if they give him a little bit of time against a Redskins defense that hasn't generated enough pressure that it, at least over the first two games, missing their best defensive lineman. He should be back in Jonathan Allen. If he gets time, uh, Allen Robinson is going to be able to get over, in my opinion. And it might not be just Allen Robinson. I mean, it could be Taylor Gabriel, who I know has speed. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, Corderell Patterson on a trick 
play or, or, or a broken play or, or something like that where this Redskins defense gets gashed and all of a sudden everybody's like, whoa, Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky is – you know, taking that next step. And I don't know if it'll be because of him or if it'll be because of the Redskins defense breaking down communication wise or simply because they don't have enough healthy bodies on the back end. Yeah, I look at that Washington depth chart, right? And obviously some some young talent on that defensive line when healthy, some some guys to like there. But the, the linebacking core is certainly what stands out to me. You get former Bears draft pick John Bostick starting on the interior there. I'd seen where he'd given up a touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey a couple weeks ago, which is just a great Bears throwback there for two guys no longer on the team. And, you know, you mentioned Josh Norman struggling and, you know, not guys like Quentin Dunbar and Fabian Morrow don't necessarily uh, ring a lot of bells for people listening at home that, you know, don't know the the Washington cornerbacks, you know, not a lot of household names when you look across that defense. But you know, there's still the likes of Landon Collins, and we've we've seen what Josh Norman can do. I, I guess where would you assess the the, the strengths? Because I think you, you look at the depth chart and see a lot of weaknesses or ways where you feel like, oh, well, the Bears can beat the Redskins here and there. But what are some of where sort of the strengths of of Washington's defense, and what what can they do to kind of neutralize what the Bears want to do offensively? Well, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the bears are able to handle Deron Payne in the middle of their defensive line. First round pick a year ago out of Alabama. He has gotten off to a very good start. Uh, even if the statistics don't necessarily show that um, he is a really tough assignment uh, on the interior, uh, you know, whether he's lined up over the nose or shaded. So that is one way you'll start. Now, again, he's more dominant and explosive if Jonathan Allen, who again has missed, you know, seven out of eight quarters so far for the Redskins and might be back for Monday Night Football. We just don't know at this point, uh, to kind of depending on how his sprained knee uh, works out. Look, bottom line is the Redskins' strength is their defensive line, but it's also been their weakness so far this year because, again, the Allen injury and because they haven't been able to blitz and they haven't been able to crank up any pressure and exotic looks, which Jay Gruden said they need to do more of because, again, they've been so banged up on that defensive line, most notably with Allen, but really banged up so bad in the secondary. You mentioned Moreau and you mentioned Quentin Dunbar. Moreau hasn't played at all. Dunbar missed Sunday's game against the Cowboys and was banged up in the season opener. He's not expected to play on Monday night. He's their starting right corner. And Moreau is the guy that was supposed to start in the slot and or on the outside if Dunbar got hurt. And again, he hadn't played so far yet. So they're basically trotting out Dominique rogers Camardi, who's A, 34, and B, he's got a bad leg. And they're starting free safety. Monte Nicholson is dealing with a bad foot. He had to come off the field the other day a couple of times. He did have an interception off of a deflection, but he had to come off. And that hurt them on an Amari Cooper touchdown catch because they were playing this really soft zone. So the bottom line is, is if the Redskins can get a good natural pass rush against Trubisky and against this offensive line without having the blitz, which they haven't been able to do so far, then they can you know, then I think they'll be able to hold up on the back end better if they have to blitz a lot and if they have to throw the kitchen sink at Trubisky to get that that pressure, it's going to be a long night. They're going to have some success. I have no doubt about that, but they're also going to give up things on the back end because they simply cannot run with guys like Allen Robinson and some of the weapons that you guys have. Where's your confidence level overall in terms of a, a game prediction for this one as we wrap up? I get the sense from you that you have some some pretty strong hesitations here, but 
there's it's of course any given Sunday, and you never know when teams can kind of just turn things around when everything clicks against the right team. But if if you had to put some kind of prediction one way or another, where how are you feeling for this one? Yeah, or Monday in this case, right? Uh, so, Lauren, he, here's the thing: I they they're not going to be able to block Khalil Mack. Period. <laughs> Whether he lines up on the left side where Donald Penn is currently Manning, uh, and they know each other from Oakland. Uh, they practiced against each other, were teammates up until, of course, last year when Mac got traded to the Bears and, and then Penn got hurt. Uh, so they're very familiar with each other. But it, if I was the Bears, I'd line him up, you know, over Eric Flowers at left guard. I'd move him over to Morgan Moses on the right side and, and line him up at left end, which is, you know, of course, where he does a lot. And I just see Khalil Mack and that front kind of Roquan Smith just kind of dominating this game enough where the Redskins can barely get to 10 points. Maybe they get to 13. I see the Bears winning 16-13, 17-14, somewhere in that range. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think you should definitely take the under, but I think the Bears are just going to be too much at the point of attack for this Redskins offense to handle. Uh, and then eventually Trubisky and Robinson or Trubisky and somebody has, uh, you know, finds a breakdown uh, defensively in coverage to maybe get, you know, a big one, a run and catch, or maybe just a bomb through the air uh, and and kind of breaks the spirit and the back of the Redskins. Yeah, I I pretty well am with you step for step there. I think low-scoring game, not going to be a, a big blowout either way, but I, I do think the Bears just come in with a little bit more talent, a little bit more confidence, a little bit more reason to feel like the matchups go their way. I, I, I expect Adrian Peterson to be able to have maybe a little bit more production just because there's something about playing against the Bears where he sees those blue and orange and just gets that extra kick in his step and confidence to to run over some guys and make some guys miss. So I would expect a, a nice back and forth, maybe a little bit low scoring, maybe a little bit ugly at times, but I, I would go with a similar score, you know, like a 2017, 2014, 17, 13 Bears victory. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to do this crossover podcast. It's always great to get the local experts from the other team and, uh, Hopefully we have a fun game to watch on Monday because the first two Bears games have been largely brutal for seven quarters. And there'll be a lot of Bears fans at FedEx Field. It won't be Soldier Field, but there'll be a lot of Bears flavor. I can guarantee you that in the stands on Monday night. Well, the consolation for Redskins fans, at least they're pretty much guaranteed to win in week six against the Dolphins. So you can you can rest easy on that one. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Lord, I appreciate it, man. Thanks again to Chris Russell for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. If you want more on the Bears Week 3 opponent, make sure you go check out Locked on Redskins with Chris Russell to get the local expert breaking down that team. Also, don't forget to submit your questions for our weekly mailbag podcast coming up on Friday. Be sure to either call or text area code 312-620-8590. You can also tweet at LockedOnBears or even send us an email, LockedOnBears at gmail.com. Because there's no better way to end the week than to get your questions in and bear down.